Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. This is the first official episode since we launched our rebrand. We also have the mailbag with Chris and take the points of Jack and Kendall, but this is the main show, the four of us. You will see Chris occasionally here. Um, You're also going to see him in some other roles going forward, but this is our first real show under the new network. We didn't really announce announce it, but uh, starting the last episode that was published, we are officially um, fully on the feed with fans first sports network it should not impact any of you dear listeners the feeds should be identical to what was sports blog nation it's now just completely set up with the new branding with the new network getting the credit for the ad revenue all that jazz so you should still see us in the same place spotify apple music wherever you listen to this podcast and until they tell us to stop we'll continue to be publishing through viva the matadors so if you're just somebody who likes to click on the articles and listen that works just as well uh, we're going to get into it. we got a busy show ahead of us. been a long time since the four of us are all in one place, so this will be a good show. I'm with Jack, Kendall, and Reed, so the full team. We're going to start talking about the news today, Grant McCaslin being kind of basically linked as the front runner to the job, as well as maybe some of the guys Tech missed out on or couldn't uh, or didn't pursue. Um, we'll talk uh, the, the coaching hiring process in general. Then we're going to move to baseball and softball, both who have strong starts to the year, baseball coming off of a sweep or not a sweep, excuse me, a series win over Oklahoma State, and softball winning back-to-back-to-back ranked games for the first time, I think maybe in program history or the first time in quite a while. So it was a huge weekend for them as well. Um, Then we'll move to the WNIT. The Red Raiders, Lady Raiders won last night over SMU. We'll talk about how their look so far in the tournament, what it means kind of to win the NIT for the women, um, and how they can continue to build off the success. And after that, if there's time, we'll talk a bit about March Madness in general, but that should bring us about to the end of our show. All right, I'm going to open this one up first to Kendall. We're going to start with the basketball hire. Today, the news is, uh, according to Jeff Goodman anyways, you know, take for a grain of salt the source. Um, that Texas Tech, despite pursuing other big names, has landed on Grant McCaslin as being their guy. Um, he's now currently presumed to be the front runner. They're playing right now as we speak against Oklahoma State and the NIT. Um, so obviously any discussion with him can't happen until their season officially ends. But he is now, looks like, to be the main target for the coaching hire and the committee that's running it, which is Norris Odiase, Joey McGuire, Dustin Womble, and uh, Kirby Hocutt, those four guys are making up the, 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 the search committee. Kendall, talk about why maybe he's getting been a name that was circled kind of from the beginning as being one Tech would look at. And what do you think makes him a guy Tech should be happy to bring in? Well, first off, I mean, if I remember correctly, McCaslin was a guy that some people had talked about before when Chris Beard left a couple years ago. Uh, McCaslin was a name that was brought up, but never really gained any traction because I think a majority of the fan base and former players were pretty on board with bringing in Mark Adams to just take over as head coach that year. But, you know, now a couple years down the line, McCaslin is looking like the front runner and based off of not just Goodman's report, but there's been a couple others that have um, now picked up on the report that McCaslin is more than likely going to be the higher And I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people mostly on Twitter, which Twitter is obviously not the main majority of the fan base, but there's a lot of people that are concerned with his offense that he runs. But to me, McCaslin is a good, going to be a good hire just because I think that you continue the brand of basketball, not only that you've built up at tech, but also like 
at the end of the day, Tech basically runs the same brand as basketball as the entire Big 12. And to me, you don't want to be the school that goes off of that type of basketball just because I think you could put yourself in a lot more trouble than if you stay a defensive-minded program and you know you continue to compete. And with his offensive numbers, I get the concerns, but also McCaslin, I feel like he more so is a great defensive coach, but I also think he just kind of coaches to his team's strengths. If you go back and look at his early North Texas years, they were a faster-paced team, and they did try to get better looks offensively and more looks, but as time went on, I think he has adapted to what the type of players he recruits, and I think that he has adjusted the way he coaches for that. And hate on it all you want with the offensive efficiency numbers, he wins. Like at the end of the day, basically every stop he's made, he's been a winner. Um, you know, won the regular season title in the CUSA last year, uh, was 28 and seven this year, went to the tournament during the quote unquote bubble year. And he won a game at that tournament also. So, and he, that was North Texas first and still only NCAA tournament win. And as far as I see it, North Texas, they were perennial losers before McCaslin showed up. Like they had no, no sense of what winning basketball looked like. And he has kind of just came in and really just changed what that program has been about. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that wanted the flashy hire. Um, there were some big names out there. There was people like Rick Pitino, but what type of shot did you really have at a guy like Rick Pitino? Um, Will Wade would have been nice to have, um, but for one reason or another, we haven't even heard of Tech going after him. But, you know, it could be very, very real that Tech, like, we don't know if how hard they went at Pitino. We don't know the facts about that. And it could be possible that this search committee just decided that they wanted to go a different route and didn't want to go after a coach that had a rough past. And, you know, when you decide that, that if we're being real, that really cuts all your candidates in half because that takes a guy like Sean Miller out of the picture. That takes, like I said, Will Wade. It takes Patino out. And you're basically sitting there with, you know, a pool of mid-major coaches, which as much as people probably wish we would have been able to grab like a power five coach that has been, you know, pretty relevant. It's in today's age of basketball, it's just difficult to do that. And I think a lot of power five programs have had success going to the mid major level and finding coaches there. I think that just some examples off the top of my head, like Iowa state getting TJ Oltelberger, um, I'd say Mizzou getting Dennis Gates and in his first year going back to the tournament and winning a game. I think that Mississippi State getting Chris Jans was a great hire uh, for them. And I think that Grant McCaslin can be a fantastic hire for Tech. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm also not going to bash hiring someone from a Scott Drew tree because a lot of the assistants from that tree have went on to be very successful coaches and it took McCaslin a little longer to get to that power five job, but who's to say that it's still not going to be a home run hire. Like it is a safe hire, 
but sometimes the safe hire is the right hire. Like, you know, the sexy hire, it's fun, but you know, tech, I can't think of many hires in the past decade, two decades out. Like you have Bob Knight, who was a great success. Then you had Tubby Smith, who probably a lot of fans, you know, he started to build something, but also the furthest he got was the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, that one didn't work out fantastic. So now you've tried both ways and one way has worked better than the other. So you're kind of going back to the safe hire, but it's now just kind of, we have to wait and see. Like you can't, I don't think anyone should be bashing anything about Grant McCaslin until we actually see how he recruits and how he coaches. So um, I'm going to have a little faith here, but uh, I do understand the uh, the concerns and skepticism as a lot of people, but I personally am on board with the Grant McCaslin hire. Jack, I'm going to let you kind of take the... We've, we've had discussions in our Slack channel about this, obviously, and there's some mixed opinions within our own staff. I'm going to let Jack kind of talk a bit about his feel on the hire. Um, I see somebody who's not quite as excited about it, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there and kind of feel out, I think, kind of the total of opinion. But Jack, if McCaslin's the guy, how are you feeling? Um, are, are you disappointed? Are you resigned to it? Are you happy about it? What, what's the sense? I want to preface everything I'm saying with the fact that I grew up going to Grant McCaslin basketball camps in Midland when he was the coach at Midland College. He was like 28 at the time, and he was the head coach. Like He's younger than I am now. And, um, you know, and I have no, no, uh, no ill feelings toward him as a person and I really don't have any ill feelings toward him as a coach um I'm just kind of gonna reach out and play the devil's advocate for this um thing and and I think I'm probably and I'm not saying I disagree with Kendall in any way Kendall raises great points about it and there is a good amount of good um but I kind of want to I'm kind of gonna go through you know some of the things that pe- that people are talking about, and you know, um, just kind of the other side, and kind of try to help people, you know, understand the other side of this of the people that might be skeptical. Um, you know, yeah, um, I agree. He's won everywhere. Um, you know, he he was good on Scott Drew's staff when he was at Baylor for you know five six years, however long he was there. Um, I think that, you know, he won JUCO national championships at Midland College. So, um, again, you know, that winning pedigree is there. Um, But I think that when people are – when people look at this program, they see a program that's five years off of an Elite Eight, four years off of a national championship game appearance – less than or pretty much a year removed from a sweet 16 so this isn't just a you know a team that is gonna make one round deep in the ncaa tournament and it's gonna be a successful year anymore that ship has sailed and yeah you know he's been able to win at a non-power five level and that's fine i'm glad he's been winning and i'm glad that uh you know he his name is in the 
you know, in the running for this. Um, I think some of the things that people that I have talked to or read and people that I've talked to um, find it hard to grasp or hard to cope, I guess you could say, hard to cope with the fact that all those accolades I just mentioned in the last five years are having to go to Conference USA to hire a head coach. It's justified. I understand that. Um, another thing is, uh, you know, people, people aren't going to see the wins there. There are people that are just flat out going to see that, oh, we had to go to conference USA for a head coach and people aren't going to see, you know, the top 20, uh, defensive in the Kempom, like Kendall mentioned, that's positive. They're not going to see that. They're going to look at anything to, to complain about this hire. They're going to see the last in D1 in offensive tempo. They're going to see, you know, just they're going to complain about the offense. They're going to bitch about the offense. And I'm not saying those those arguments are unwarranted because they are. Um, but this is what tech fans are worried about. And I think you can fully blame Chris Beard and Mark Adams for this. More Mark Adams than anything is the fact that Tech fans are worried that you're going to get another off or another defensive-minded coach, and you're going to be told that they're hiring this genius, brilliant offensive mind, and then the offense is still going to be stagnant like it has been for the past two years. And Tech fans have every right to be worried about that. You had a head coach that told you they were bringing in offense, and neither of those offensive guys, I will say it to this day, neither of these offensive guys that were brought in, Barrett Peary and Steve Green, neither one of them got to run their offense. And that's on Mark Adams. But you would hope that Grant McCasland is smart enough to actually let someone come in and run that off their offense. Another thing... You know, positive people are like, oh well, he knows the area. He knows he knows West Texas very well. You know, he he knows the area. He's from, or he, I don't know, if he's not from the area, but he coached out here a lot. Can anyone tell me who the last one person to make a serious contribution for Texas Tech from Lubbock was besides Jarrett Culver, for even from Midland? I personally, it I, it'd take me a minute to think about it. Um. So Tech's really not even recruiting from Lubbock. Uh, you know, they're, I, I mean, I can't, I'm not, and I'm not trying to make this sound bad. I'm just saying that these are concerns. Um, and I'm, again, I, like I said, I grew up going to Grant McCaslin camps and I think he's a good person. I think that how I feel, if he is the guy, I would feel a lot better about this hire if I were to find out that, you know what, Tech did go after, I'm just throwing out names, Tech did go after Sean Miller, Tech did go after Jerome Tang, and we threw the kitchen sink at him, and they said, thank you for the offer, but respectfully, I'm happy in Manhattan, or, you know, I'm happy at Xavier, or, you know, whoever. You know, I'm happy where I'm at. Again, I thank you for the offer, but I just don't want to go, I just don't want to leave where I'm at. You know, if that comes out, then I look at this hire as a lot more successful. But my fear and this is kind of why, where I'm at as a, as a fan, and because that's what I am. I'm a fan first. I am worried that I'm not. I don't have ill faith in the coaching search. I think that they got the right people together, 
And I think that they are going to make the correct hire just based on who's on it. I think for me, at least it's having Norrence Odiase and Joey McGuire on this, on the coaching search committee uh, makes it okay for me. I'm just worried that in a couple of years, if the, if this hire doesn't work out, if it's not McCaslin, or even if it is McCaslin, if this hire doesn't work out and it comes out in two years that we tried to lowball Jerome Tang out of Manhattan or we lowballed Sean Miller to try and leave Xavier like by only offering him like an extra 100K or something and we left money on the table because we knew we had somebody like McCasland on the back burner for pennies, that's what's going to piss me off. And so I think that when you, when you have, you know, that... Um, when you have that doubt in people's minds, I think that that's what is stemming a lot of the concern about this hire. Now, I don't know how y'all, I mean, I know how y'all feel about it pretty much, but at least for me, that's where mine's coming from. It's the, it's the unknown. It's the unknown of, you know, if we, if we bring in McCaslin, that's great. The defense stays good, but is he gonna, is he really gonna let someone come in and run the offense? Cause we've seen the shit into this stick and it's not pretty. I'm I'm t- I'm I'm with you, Megan. We talked about it earlier. I'm tired of the I'm tired of scoring fifty points and having to hold people to forty five to win. Yeah, good defense is great, and it and it it is. But you can have both. Kansas does it every year. Baylor does it every year. Baylor's pretty bad this year at it, and that's why they got bounced already. Texas is doing it this year, like. There are games where you're going to have bad defense and good offense and, you know, bad offense and good defense. Those games happen. But it's not unrealistic to think that this team can't have both. And both is what we were promised for the last two years. And we really only got it part of one year-ish. And um, the only reason that we made it to the Sweet 16 last year because we had, you know, guys that had been playing together for a long time that were your main guys that understood the system. Um, I just think that that, I think the fear of the unknown is what is stemming a lot of the concern from tech fans. And that's just, that's just the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Look, like I, I tweeted about this on the Viva account, but it's also something a lot of folks are seeing, you know, if Grant McCaslin's really going to be the guy, um, expect to see at least a decent amount of traction for Barrett Peary coming back to Lubbock. Um, he'd be the most likely guy to go after. I think he'd come back. I think, you know, in hindsight, I do probably believe there was a clash of personality and, and responsibility issue between him and Mark Adams, as in Mark Adams did not let him run what he thought was supposed to be his responsibility, the offense. Um, here's my problem, though, is the program's in a really bad spot. Right, like the, it wasn't good to lose Mark Adams. It wasn't good to miss the tournament. It wasn't good to lose him in the middle of the scandal. All in all, we're we're looking at a, a situation which you could lose most of the roster, and you're going to have to rebuild in a hurry. And here's the thing: in modern college basketball, there's no more build a program. You win immediately, or you're fucked. Right, like you're not going to be able to keep guys around and build to a lot of successes in a lot of cases. You know, the best teams over the last several years have been the ones that managed to get the oldest. And those teams got there by being consistently good every year and convincing guys to stay. If you're not good and the guys are upset, they'll leave. 
Um, you know, look, I'm not going to say that you can, you can please everybody. It's an NIL thing. It's a business thing with a lot of these guys. People will leave every year, but tech needs to bring in someone who can lock up the talent you want to keep and go get talent you, you want to go get because you got to win right away. You know, Jerome Tang kind of demonstrated this at Kansas State. You've got to win right away. The expectation will be there from day one to be an NCAA tournament team and to shoot for the Sweet 16. And if you can't do that, then we hired the wrong fucking guy. Uh, and I don't know if Grant McCaslin can or can't do that. I think there is something to be said about a guy who wins at a program as poor as UNT. You know, a guy like that is used to building and building quickly. He's done it, you know, I think now over three years, um, been their highest net finishes ever regularly in the tournament or, or regularly having been in position to make the tournament. They're in the NIT now. They're uh, Last I saw, they were winning. I haven't checked the score there. So that game against Oklahoma State still going. For reference, Tech did beat Oklahoma State. So, you know, something to be said there. Um and you bring in Barrett, period, maybe you can run truly complimentary basketball. It's a concept that Tech has forgotten over the last few years because Mark Adams didn't prioritize it, and Chris Beard didn't really prioritize it either, for that matter. Here's the thing people forget about is Chris Beard, after 2019, his teams were not good. They were not good. I mean, they you had 2020 where you probably would have missed the tournament. Let's, let's, let's be honest here. We, if For those of you who remember the circumstances, we were coming into the game against Texas, that Big 12 um, tournament day when it all got canceled, thinking if you lose that game, you're out. So who knows what would have happened, but there was a chance you missed that tournament. You weren't very good. Next season, you were mediocre and lost in the second round. You know, the program has to have higher expectations. But why I mention this is that the reason why those teams weren't very good, the reason why Mark Adams' team didn't get past the Sweet 16, and the reason why this year's team completely disintegrated was we just, we've just forgotten how to play complementary basketball. The national title team was so good, and the Elite Eight teams were so good because they could go get buckets when they needed to. They had raw scoring talent. They could hit big shots, and we got away from that. We leaned into being this overly efficient defense and this completely inefficient offense. And we saw what happens when you don't have quite the right roster to run this. Bringing in that, that's why I'm so reluctant to go do this again. And I know, you know, I think, I think if he came here, I don't even think there's necessarily going to be a situation where it's like, oh, he won't do the job. Well, he could be great here. Stylistically, I'd like to go get someone who doesn't depend on the stuff we've been doing for the last few years that has not worked out super well that often. Right, like we're we're talking out of four years, what one good season? And it was a Sweet Sixteen bid. You know, I I have higher expectations now. We should have higher expectations now than just being content with making a run. Jack talked about this, right? Like we have better facilities than pretty much anybody else in the nation. There is a very rigid amount of uh, institutional support now. These guys are really dumping cash into it. Um, the NIL money's there. The, 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 the fan base is there. The, the conference is there. Everything's in place. Making the Sweet 16 should be the expectation. That should be the expectation. You met it once in four years running this kind of system. So I'm not saying that you can't win this way. I'm saying my preference is to move beyond it. But then again, look, Beard also, those years showed how you can do it. You get the right guys in place, enough lengthy guards who really commit to defense, a few true scorers. You could really do this. The system can work. Virginia has a national title being dog shit terrible at offense. Virginia, although alternatively is another example of why I don't really love this system, they've lost four times in the first round to extremely low seeds because they do not score enough. Now, I think the answer to Virginia's problem, I think the answer to our problem, is find an offense that's not like 330th in tempo. Find one that's like 100, 125, and you'll be fine as long as you're efficient. 
So, you know, Kendall talks a lot about that, you know, the, the idea that if you just crank up the efficiency number, the tempo just a little bit, you stay efficient, it's okay not to be that explosive offensively. I buy that. I think that's true. Um, but really, I think Grant McCaslin won't be a disappointing hire. I will be bummed that Tech didn't rec- live up to the moment, which is, a you know, I thought, you know, for everything that happened with Mark Adams, the hiring seemed to live up to the moment. We went and got the guy who got everybody excited, locked back in. I think if you hire Grant McCaslin, there's going to be a lot of people who are ticked. Then there's going to be a lot of people who ho-hum this hire. And that's not really where you want to be at, at a critical juncture for your program. Granted, Lubbock's the kind of place you win, people ever buy in. And we'll back him. I hope everyone gives him the chance if it is him. And we'll see how he builds his staff, and we'll see how he recruits and all that jazz. But all I'm saying, guys, is we move beyond the point where I'm like, oh, you get a couple of years. You get maybe two to figure this out. And if you don't, ship his ass out. And I mean that if you go hire Rick Pitino and he comes here and can't win for two years. I'm done waiting around. You can win immediately in college basketball. It is the only major sport in which you can come in and immediately turn your entire roster and start winning right away. And you have to. You will fall farther and further behind if you don't. So whoever is hired, it is with the understanding that winning fast is the requirement. Um, And you know, at this point, you got to run a program that's people like. You got to be the Joey McGuire, right? People have to want to like you. And you know, I think Grant McCaslin could be that guy. I just, I was, I was hoping you could go get somebody. Really, I don't know why Tech didn't pay enough attention to Will Wade. Um, you know, I know he has some NCA troubles, but really, he he did the kind of cheating that's now basically legal. So who cares? Um, you know, I, I hope that Tech at least called Jerome Tang and said, you know make give us an offer and if we can't you know the only reason we're going to walk away from this negotiation is because you tell us truly you're just not interested um and i you know stuff like that so that that's the kind of stuff we'll never really know who old did they chase but those are the kind of things that like it makes it a little disappointing that you are not settling per se but you're not getting the flash in the pan higher who i think would have really motivated everybody going forward but you look winning at unt is hard right i know some people were like well what about the level you win with the players at the level you're at, and he's winning in a tough spot. It's not a good job, not a lot of institutional support, not many fans, really a forgotten place, and he's won consistently there. There is something to say about that. So just trust that these guys know what they're doing to value. That's all we can do. You know, I'm a big Everybody knows my stance on Kirby Hocutt. I think he's running out of time to keep fucking up these hires, so this is a big one. If he screws this one up, if this one goes south and Joey McGuire isn't winning national titles, I think we could be saying goodbye to her Kirby. So he knows the stakes. Everybody knows the stakes. It's important that this is done right. And Grant McCaslin is a guy that from the start was on a lot of lists for a reason. Um, you know, I think it was Fran Franchilla who was, you know, advocating that Tech go and get him. So it's not like he's he's this unknown commodity that we're just chasing. Like he's not Matt Wells part two, where you know Kobe just Kirby just zoned in on a guy and hired him because he thinks he's the man. There is real hype around this name. He's well-respected and well-regarded. And I think if he comes here, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But uh, hopefully he gets the chance to, to figure it out. And it could work out fine. I just personally wish that we were doing something different. I'd like to go in a new direction with the program since we're being forced to anyways. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe if he really lets an offense assistant, it drove Jack crazy all year, guys. All year in the Slack chant, pissed him off that we weren't that the assistants weren't being allowed to run their offense, and it was the biggest pet peeve on the planet of the staffs that that was happening. So if he lets a guy like Barrett Peary or whoever goes gets to run the offense, it could be more than fine. It could be great. So I'm gonna op- go to read next, but we're gonna move topics now. Um, just because we burned a good amount of our show already just talking so far. Reed, we're switching over to the baseball front. 
big series against Oklahoma State. Took two out of three. Uh, let's start with the most obvious, the most positive side, which was the offense. What have you liked from this baseball team so far? Um, who's been the guy who surprised you the most offensively? Yeah, really. I mean, I haven't really had a lot of opportunity to watch them other than this past weekend. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's it's good to get a get a series win that early against a team of that caliber because um, us, Oklahoma State, and TCU, from what I understand, are really going to be that kind of the, the three horses running to, to to win a Big 12 championship this year. And um, there's, there's been good good sightings out of the uh, out of the bullpen this year so far, and with our starters, and um, you know, obviously with the injury to Dylan Carter, I think some guys in the lineup realized they had to step up to kind of do what they needed to do in order to uh, pick up the slack for them. And you know, it's in the field and out and um, getting around the bags and stuff like that too, and being a leader because. Uh, Dylan Carter's been in and out of the lineup roughly for you know three to four years now, so he's definitely a veteran and earned his stripes for a lot of stuff. And um, I think other guys, because I mean, if I'm being honest, we got a pretty young team outside of a few dudes like like Dylan, so um, like Cash and some other ones I can't even think that their names of off the top of my head. But um, it was good to see some resiliency because that first game was um, kind of an uphill battle the whole way through and. We were able to claw our way back in and, and earn W, and then and, you know doing that kind of provided you to get away and and um, and get yourself a series win. And what's really going to kind of hopefully set the tone for for a year where I think we can try and go deep for the first time in what seems like a while. But you know at the same time we've we've had uphill battle with injuries again going back to Dylan Carter and I think Jack pointed out which is a hundred percent accurate that we've had like a major injury to somebody every single season for what seems like forever. So uh, it was, it was bad to hear that, but I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, they're, they're able to kind of play the way they did this past weekend on a consistent basis. And, you know, if we're able to kind of keep ho-hum with, with both sides of the ball, I think then we'll, we'll be able to, um, you know, kind of play ourselves into, into a favorable spot down the stretch and, uh, the, the problems we've had in the past seasons is too much offense, not enough defense, kind of Jekyll and Hyde of what basketball was having issues with. So um, the pitching's been, I don't want to say stellar so far, but it's definitely been better than um, I was necessarily expecting and what it has been uh, kind of throughout in the past. I think there's more arms that are capable of going into games and um, getting some closeout innings and um, starters that are able to go a little bit further than normal. So um, hadn't been that way in the past, and so it's definitely good to see that. And, yeah, again, there's some other names that are kind of flying around in my head, but uh, Cash has really just been the one that's been a steady force in the lineup. Uh, again, especially with Dylan Carter out, that has been a steady bat and kind of giving you some some firepower after uh, after losing the young the young brothers. Um, last season for, you know, it seems like we've had one of them for a decade, it seems like. But, um, yeah, it's it's looking up right now. And, obviously, there's still a lot of baseball left and conference is just now ramping up. So, uh, if we're able to kind of rack up some wins and um, kind of take care of home field, I think we'll be set up nicely for what should be a pretty exciting, exciting postseason run. 
Jack, I'll go to you next because this is something I saw that Tech last year ended up losing most of their Sunday games, which basically cost them the Big 12 title in the end. Um, obviously, sweeping a team at the caliber of Oklahoma State wasn't likely, but it was great to get a Sunday win. Looking at our starting rotation right now, um, how are you feeling about the three guys who are kind of taking the job? Who, who, do you think somebody else should be taking getting a look for the starting rotation? Or are you pretty happy with how it's gone so far, injuries considered? Yeah, and, and that's a big thing, right? Injuries considered. Um, I think losing Bo Blessy early on this year really hurt the starting rotation. Um, I was really pumped to see, and you know, in the one main start that he had, he was phenomenal. You know, he pitched six innings, gave up like no, gave up one hit through six innings. Um, had all of his stuff working. You know, his his fastball was up in the ninety eight range. That wipeout slider was cutting, you know, you know, eight to t- eight to ten to twelve inches across that batter's or uh, that strike zone, and I think that um, you miss Bo Blessy a lot. Um, you've tried to fill it in with a lot, with some different people. I think the, really the only mainstay um, ha- has been Mason Molina on Saturday. Um, Brendan Gurton's been pitching Friday. Uh, but Brendan Gurton hasn't, I mean, with all due respect, Brendan Gurton really hasn't been Brendan Gurton-esque lately. Um, he's had some control issues. Um, he's walked five or more batters in his last three starts, um, which is really not like him. He's typically been, uh, you know, pretty spot on with his control. So the fact that, you know, he's he's walking as many as it is, is a little concerning. Um, that's kind of what jump-started Oklahoma State to their big opening, uh, you know, few frames on Friday night. Um, you know, Tech did end up coming back and winning 8-7 to seven in 10 innings. Uh, but at one point, you know, Oklahoma State's up 7-1. to one. Uh, So, um, you know, you can't say enough about the team from coming back from that. Um, but I think your starting pitching is a little suspect still. Um, you know, Saturday, you want to talk about your most uh, stable starter in this uh, out of the three Saturday, you know, Molina got the loss. Uh, you know, he didn't pitch really that well. And um, Sunday, you know, Tabor, Tabor Fast started the game. Um, but, you know, he he only went, um, you know, I think he only went like he went three and two thirds, but he walked three. Uh, you know, Beckel ended up getting the win in that one before he got tossed, um, which was, you know, with all due respect, that was bullshit. But we can discuss that any other time. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that um, I think that what Reed said is is really right. Um, you've had a great showing so far uh, because your starters are you can go kind of a little iffy. More iffy than they have been in the past, I should say. There's no, you know, there's no Stephen Gingry of times before. There's no Brandon Birdsell that's going to come out and throw 99 every time. Uh, you know, you you have, all, you know, you can go back and list pretty much anyone that's been a mainstay. Uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it because he left, there is no Micah Dallas uh, out there, and um, you know, there's really no Ryan Sublet in the bullpen, but. I think you have a, a bunch of guys that you can piece piecemeal this whole thing together. Um, I, I think Ryan Free is a big name that's been coming out of the bullpen a lot of lefty. Uh, he's been really good. Um, I mentioned Beckel. Beckel's been a star. 
you know, so far this year. He, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about the um, the pending suspension. If he indeed did get tossed uh, after the sixth inning in that Oklahoma State game, um, typically if you get tossed with that, it comes because of like taunting an opponent or whatever, and you do it enough to get tossed, it comes with a four game suspension on top of it. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been great. Um, you know, you've seen Trendon Parrish a lot. He's been okay. Um, I, I really like to see Trendon Parrish in short spurts. I know that he's been pitching a little bit lengthier as of late, but I think he's, uh, you know, if you're not going to use him, if you're not going to use him as a starter where he can expect to go six or seven innings, I think he's more of a, you know, a, a short term, you know, one to two inning guy max. Um, you have a lot of, you have a lot of options is what I'm saying. And, and, and Reed is absolutely correct when he says there's, there's a lot more options this year, uh, than there have been in recent years. And I think that it's kind of the fact that you're kind of throwing guys into the fire, right? You know, Reed hit the nail on the head. This is a super young roster. And so it's not like you have a main set of guys that are, you know, your juniors and seniors and your freshmen and sophomores are kind of just, you know, warming the bench in the bullpen with the jacket on, uh, you know, during these games, all of these guys go out there every day with the potential that they could be thrown into this game to pitch. And, um, I think that's what keeps everyone loose. It keeps everyone on their toes. And I think that's what, you know, uh, continues to help this bullpen and make sure that everyone out there that's sitting out there, since they know that they could be coming into the game at any possible time, you know, they make sure they bring their a game. And, and I think that that's a huge reason why, um, why the bullpen you've seen the bullpen be so effective, uh, just because of that mindset. Yeah. Watching the Oklahoma state series, you get the sense that, you know, you're going to, with with the injuries that have occurred and everything going on, you're going to have some good times in the ballpark at Dan Law. Just it's a hitters-friendly ballpark. Tech really leans into that. You're tested this week in Austin going on the road. Um, this I, I the, the ejection was, I mean, the dumbassery doesn't sound like enough of a word, but it, it was just idiotic. I, I think as I understood it, it had something to do with like, they had been warned, and technically speaking, the ump should have tossed him right away. It, it doesn't matter. It was idiotic in the extreme. And we, sh- Josh Holiday's a joke, and this is why Tim Tadlock teams have been beating his brain in so much lately. You know, I think it's like sixteen to three, including the postseason, multiple sweeps. It's it, it's it's a level of dominance of a program that, as as good as Oklahoma State's been, that's run by a bush league manager. Um, and I think that's why they've never been great. They've always just been good. You know, but they are one of three teams who we really expect to compete for the Big 12 title, them and TCU along with Texas Tech. Texas is probably your distant four, maybe. I mean, there, there's kind of a gap between them, everybody else and these Shit, I'd say, I, you know, I could say, you could say OU, too. OU's played, OU. OU, OU beat TCU in a series this past weekend in Norman. So I, I think, like I said, it's, it's early, it's up for grabs. Um, you know, in saying, talking about Texas, this is a team... Uh, this Texas team isn't as high as they have been in the past few years. This is this is somewhat of a rebuilding year uh, for Pierce and the Longhorns down there. But, um, you know, I don't take anything for granted playing in Austin, uh, especially because 
I just don't. Anytime we play in Austin, I don't take anything for granted. Um, and I don't think anyone should. But th- I will say this. These are three winnable games. Um, and if with the way TCU's been playing as of late, I don't. they're playing tonight. I don't know what they're doing right now. I think they're playing Abilene Christian at home. But, you know, TCU lost a midweek a couple weeks ago to... Um, Shit, who did we just play before Oklahoma State? Um, but they lost a midweek uh, game to him, And um, I think that if TCU continues to play, I, I think the rest of our games are extremely winnable. Uh, I, I think, you know, to really cement yourself at the top of this Big 12, I think you have to take all three from Baylor. Um, I think you need to take at least two of three from everyone else. Uh, I mean, that's pretty typical for a Big 12 champion to do. Um, I think, you know, Kansas State just lost in Waco. I think you might have, you know, if Kansas State's still reeling here and there, I think you should be able to take uh, all three from them. Um, West Virginia might be something different. They're go- it's in Morgantown this year. Crazy shit happens in Morgantown when you're talking about baseball. Um, and... Another thing I, I wanted to touch on this before we before we got off the baseball topic. Um, one thing that people can start to look for, and we'll see if Tech fixes it, uh, because it's been a real issue this year, has been the pitching and holding runners on. Um, teams are killing Tech, stealing bases, and you can see that a lot of this time is because the pitchers are just getting lazy and they're not checking over twice to first base before they throw because I think they're worried about the the pitch clock and you know it's a valid it, it's a valid concern but um, I think you just need to get up and get on the mound and you need you you're gonna have to check twice or they're gonna run all over you and so far um, you know they have been running all over Tech and speaking of a team of West Virginia they will run all over Tech and you know Texas will try Oklahoma State was like coming in. You know, in the two hundreds in Division One in steals, and they, I think they attempted like eight or nine steals over the weekend. So, um, you know, teams have gotten the memo that you could run on Texas Tech, and so I'm really interested to see if it gets fixed. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's part of the the the, the other side of this team. The, the defensive woes have been the probably the biggest story. Um, injuries maybe arguably the biggest, but it, in terms of the actual play on the field, you liked your offense. Pitching's had a bit of a walk problem, but gotten you out of some jams. But the, 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 the errors, the mistakes, the stolen bases, those are things that you have to clean up in order to actually seriously run. Because last year's team was pretty good, right? Like, they just didn't do the little things right. Um, they got into bad habits, and they never were able to play complete baseball games for three-game series, which means they lost a bunch of games they weren't supposed to. And again, sweeping a team like Oklahoma State probably wasn't going to happen. But as Jack said, Kansas State, Baylor, some of these squads, you have got to get all three, and that means you've got to be perfect in all phases. You have to do every little thing right. Because baseball, any given day, anybody can beat anybody, right? That's why we play three-game series. That's why we do it. Um, and you, if you want to win the Big 12 title, which this team is certainly capable of, you got to sweep some of these squads, which means when your pitching's a little shakier, which it will be at points this year, you know, you're, you're pretty thin, you've got some good bullpen arms, but you're, you don't have a truly maybe 
three dominant starters. I think you've got three pretty good ones. I really like Mason Molina, by the way. I really like his game. I hope he continues to go. Andrew Devine's taking some steps forward. I, maybe we start to see more of him. Um, you know, but the, the, the there's some guys from last year's team like that who have, who are continuing to perform, and you're going to count on some young guys. Um, Damian Bravo had a rough outing against A&M, but he, he's thrown some good pitches. By the way, his bat's suddenly on fire. I mean, the guy went from having basically no hits to, what, like three home runs on the weekend? I mean, he, he, he's the definition of coming alive. So, you know, there's a lot of guys who are going to keep getting better. You know, the baseball is a sport. The more you, the, the, as experience comes, these guys will get better and better and better. It's one of the great sports to watch true development of. You know, football teams are kind of what they are. Basketball teams, by about the middle of the year, are kind of what they are. Baseball teams can get hot in a hurry, man, and really run as the season progresses. And they can keep changing and getting better just the more that they play, the more that pitchers get comfortable, the more that guys get into streaks. So the, the, I don't even think we've seen that this team at its best yet. And if they can just stay healthy, we can't afford any more losses. We got to get Dylan Carter back. Um, bless his, you know, I don't know his timeline, but hopefully we get him back. Um, hopefully those two guys are able to perform by the time, you know, at least the, the, it, it, the worst case scenario, by the time the postseason's here, maybe we'll get him back towards the end of Big 12 play. I know I saw Dylan Carter estimates range from like four to nine weeks, so it could be a pretty long wait for him. Um, but you, you like what you've seen because, like I said, I don't think you played your best baseball and you still beat Oklahoma State, who's probably one of your top competitors. And to be honest with you, you looked pretty good doing it. You know, you got hot, you played well, you got out of jams. Um, there weren't a ton of obvious mistakes being made. Oklahoma State probably had the biggest mistake of the weekend with that drop fly ball that allowed Tech to, to pick up game two in um, that crazy-ass comeback. And, you know, the wildest thing about that game to me, or excuse me, game one, the wildest thing about the game to me is that those are the kind of games you lost last year. I mean, I, don't, I can't even name true comebacks of that variety you had last year, and you've already shown you, this team could really battle back into games quite a few times. So, you know, there's a lot of positives. There's some things to worry about, injuries being one, but you're continuing to move forward. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to the softball team real quick. We're going to keep moving along. Uh, we're going to get to the WNIT next, but I do want to talk about softball. They're having a kind of an interesting season. Really, really good offensively. One of the top teams in the nation and hitting doubles. I think they have multiple players who rank near the top of that list. The season started kind of slow for the Lady Raiders. Um they started with the UT Arlington tournament. They had this crazy long streak. I, I haven't done the math, but I think it was like 14 straight games on the road or, you know, technically quote unquote neutral sites um, before they came home to play in Lubbock. But they, they, they held serve mostly on the road. They went on some pretty long winning streaks after dropping um, two of their first three. They would go on a really long losing winning streak and not falling again. So they started the winning streak on the 11th. They would lose again until the 23rd of February. Um, they have also pulled off something they've only done three times. I checked this while we were getting going. Um, I checked this now. There's been three times that the program's won three ranked games in a row. This is the first time since 2019 that they've done it. That was beating. <laughs> oh, excuse me. That was beating Texas State twice and knocking off Maryland one and two. They. Their last game against Bucknell was canceled, so they have not played since that Maryland loss on the 18th. They're up against Abilene Christian next tomorrow. That's their tune-up, and they play Texas and Austin this weekend as well. 
Um, that'll be a really, really interesting test for them. Um, Texas is not maybe quite as dominant as they used to be in softball compared to some years. They're still very, very good. Oklahoma's the toast of the conference. We see them later this year. Texas will still be very, very good. And it's on the road. And just Jack mentioned, just like with baseball, going on the road to Austin sucks in any sport. Sucks in any sport. And those guys... Um, on the baseball end and those gals on the, the softball end, they win a lot at home. So we're going to learn a lot about this team really in a big way on the road. They're very road-tested, which is the positive. They're pitching well. What I really love, though, is the offense. Softball is such an offensive game compared to baseball. You know, the better offense. For instance, look at OU last year. They just could absolutely nuke people into the earth. Um, Tech has had a lot of high-scoring games, um, a lot of a lot of blowouts, a, a few run rules. They've just they've shown a lot of pop off the bat, and that's so big in softball. It's just so big in softball because he, the, I think the biggest difference is in softball. You know, it's still it's changing a bit. For those of you who used to watch, you know, five ten years ago, most teams only had one or two pitchers that they really ran with. Now in softball, you kind of do have to start developing um, staffs, true staffs, but it's still it's heavily driven by who's your ace and how's your batting going. You know, you, it's it's a high hitting, uh, it's a high swinging affair. You have multiple batters right now who are currently averaging 500 or excuse me over 400. Most of your teams hitting over 250. A lot of them are hitting over 350. Uh, you, you you're just having a really really good start. Um, and like I said, you've got. Uh, uh, Kaylee and McKenzie, they're at 10 and 11 uh, doubles on the year. That's near the top nationally. Right behind him is Ariana. She's got nine. Um, You've got a lot of players in this lineup with over 20 RBIs. The the, the slugging percentages are are pretty ridiculous. This team can hit, and I think that that's going to fare well, and I think we finally may have a softball team that's ready to compete again. There's been some drama, obviously, with the coaching staff over there. It's brand-new staff. I think these these girls can really play, and I think we may finally get to dream, which is the – I've been waiting to have two – them either men's and women basketball or softball and baseball in the postseason at the same time. I think this team is regional good, and I think if they continue, we'll find out a lot about Texas, but if they continue at the hitting pace they are, they could even host, which would be just tons of fun because I, I can't imagine the kind of crowd support they'd get. The WNIT crowds have been fantastic, let alone a big softball series at, at home in the postseason. So we're going to keep up with that team as we go, but right now what you need to know is, is that they've looked better than they have in a lot of years, and this is their first true, true, you know, Texas State, probably their first real test. This is their biggest test to date um, against the Texas Longhorn team in Austin, which is just not a place tech teams win that much, just to be honest with you guys. As much as I hate to say it, they beat our ass a lot in Austin. That is a rare sight to go get wins there. Um, Speaking of the women's side, we're going to switch now to NIT talk. Kendall, let's talk about the game against SMU. Kind of a different strategic game plan for tech. SMU, a very poor three-point shooting team. Kind of the, the strategy, a lot of the strategy just looks like let them shoot until their eyes bleed. Uh, what do you see in that game? What are you thinking about the matchup of Arkansas in the next round? Um, I felt that, you know, Tech defensively, I mean, like you said, they just kind of let them keep shooting. Um, but I was really impressed with Tech's ability. Just they weren't making a lot of threes. Um, so their ability to get on the boards and – kind of just be the tougher team i mean they held smu to 49 points and you know that comes with them missing threes but i mean it still takes a good defensive effort to hold any division one team to 49 points um so i was pretty impressed defensively i felt that tech was able to kind of just 
spread the ball out a little bit offensively. Um, there was a lot of different people getting touches. Um, and really, they, I, I just want to kind of mention where this program and team is kind of at. Like, to me, the last couple years, they – they had been solid, but like just not where I felt they should be. But I think that this program is on the up and up. They're going to what the third round of the the women's NIT, which you know, there's a lot of people that don't know this, but to me, the women's NIT it's it's a very important tournament. I I don't think it's nearly um, as like useless as what the men's tournament is. Um, I think there's a lot of women that see the women's NIT and like genuinely care to win it a lot more than the men's NIT. So if there's people out there that haven't been watching it, um, I, I recommend you do it. Some high level basketball and the women's game as a whole. I mean, the women's game is just so much more entertaining to watch than it has been in the past because of the parity that's in women's college basketball now. And, you know, Tech's going to face Arkansas. I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Arkansas of their women's team this year. Um, But, you know, it's an SEC team. So if I've watched a lot of other SEC teams this year, like, like Tennessee, I've watched LSU, obviously South Carolina. SEC is just tough. Um, Arkansas sitting at about 23 and 12. Um, they were kind of just one of those middle of the pack SEC teams, which in this year's SEC, that's actually pretty impressive considering, uh, Ole Miss was an eight seed. They just knocked off on uh, the number one seed Stanford on the road. Yeah. Georgia who gave Iowa a hell of a fight. Um, obviously South Carolina, LSU, Tennessee are all going on to the sweet 16. So that conference in, on the women's side is just as good as the men's side. So I have to assume that Arkansas is going to be a battle. Um, but if Tech, if they just continue to play the way they have, just be tough, be competitive, they're going to be right there. And I really hope we get to see a couple more games out of this team. Yeah, I think the WNIT is unique because the women's game is different from the men's in a lot of ways. You know, obviously completely different play styles. But one of the biggest differences now is you just don't quite see the same level of roster churn that you do in the men's game. Now in the men's game, if your roster's not churning, it's almost because you're doing something wrong. Um, you, you basically got to replenish half your roster every year, even if guys aren't graduating. The women's game, it's still a ton about development. And for a program like Tech that has been kind of in the basement, it is Tech's probably, it, uh, not arguably, it is Tech's most historic program with the national title, but it has dwelled in the basement for 10, 15 years. And to get out of that takes time. And there are a lot of really young faces on this team. And I think it was Moppin who was talking about it. Like, she's trying to play so hard so because she wants to keep playing with the seniors. But, like, that girl is a superstar in the making. You know, that, 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 that there's a, all there. Every now and then you see really special talents. Where Amber Scott and Moppin are two really special talents. Uh, Moppin in particular is basically the reason why you won against SMU. She just puts, puts the team on her back. I, I've seen a lot of great female uh, basketball players come through tech. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody who makes it look that freaking easy. Uh, she she is just really fun to watch. If you haven't been watching this team, they're all fun to watch. They battle hard. You know, this team got beaten up, guys. Like, I think Big Cat's been hurt 
insert total number of games of the season and they've been battling really really hard just to, to get to this point and continuing to win in the WNIT with a pretty young group core group just can helps grow this program back to where it needs to be you know like, like Kendall talked about the men's NIT means very very little you know nobody's really paying attention 90% of the teams don't even give a shit and at least 25% of them are pissed off they're not in the NCAA tournament and, and not only do they not give a shit they barely even show up so, but the WNIT is still a prestigious tournament. It's a chance to continue to grow your program, and I like that the fans have showed out. You know, obviously they didn't get fifteen thousand or whatever the capacity is the USA. Part of that for game one, that first hosting game was issues with the students. Game two, it looked like the students were there in force, um, and it's been really good turnout. And I think that shows to what you can build in Lubbock and the women's side. Like I said, this is the if you're talking about programs where we've actually won the damn thing, it's this in track. So there, there's no reason that Tech has suffered so long under, you know, just literally completely uncompetitive basketball. I mean, it's not that these, they, some of the teams of the previous years were bad. It's that they were so bad it was unwatchable. And this year's team didn't quite get it done, but they were highly competitive in pretty much every game and very fun to watch. And they are close. There's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of great players um, on this on this squad that I think that if you haven't gotten the chance to watch them, now's the perfect chance um, to really enjoy it because it, it, it's it's uh, uh, it's something to be said. You know, Tech has had I think they mentioned on the broadcast last night something like four first team selections in a row, and we haven't really won much with them. And now you've got a real chance to build off of some of the the, the fact that you've just got one elite player and start building towards something truly special. So watch the seniors while they're still on campus. Um, enjoy the young group. Moppin is is like I said that that is a superstar superstar in the making. Um, Brianna Scott's a ton of fun. Enjoy her while she's still here. Um, they all battle. They all fight. And here's the other thing about it, guys. Like it, it's just fun basketball. If you're if you're somebody who's gotten bored with some of the stuff that's happened on the men's game, um, if you're somebody who's big into like oh there's no freedom of movement in basketball, the women's game still plays a pretty open, disciplined uh, um, game. Or if you're somebody who's even there are the other side though. I think there's less of this in college. It's more in the NBA. But there's people who get bored with the you know just the the, the no defense and shoot. Um, you know, the women's game still relies heavily on fundamental basketball, and a lot of fun is had watching them be forced to, to rely heavily on ball movement, and uh, uh, your your mid-range jump shot still has to be so strong. And it's just a different game, and it's a lot of fun to watch. And there's no reason that you, you, you can't enjoy it just like you enjoy the men's team. That This is the thing about Tech, though, and one of the things I like about the fan base is that they'll support a winner. It doesn't matter what sport. It could be tiddlywinks. Nobody cares as long as they're winning. So hopefully that this WNIT run builds to the next step, which is NCAA tournament bids and winning in the NCAA tournament and, and getting further and further along. You know, Texas is about to exit the Big 12. The Big 12 is a, is a women's basketball conference without Texas and Oklahoma is not particularly strong. You know, it's not like the men's side, which is super dominant. You're, you're not backfilling with truly elite women's basketball programs. The conference will be wide open to take with really just Baylor standing in your way. And I think Kim you can Mul- get it yeah, done. Kim, yeah, Kim Mulkey's not even at Baylor anymore. So, I mean, it's pretty wide open, I'd say for sure. 
Yeah, and that 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 that's you, you, if anybody's going to claim the conference crown, it should be the team. It should be the team at a university that has the history that Tech does. That has no excuse for being as bad as we've been. But I think you know you're seeing the groundswell of support start to build, and I think they're really building to something truly special. Just keep winning, you know. You beat Arkansas next. Keep winning. Keep these keep these seniors playing. Let the freshmen continue to develop. Let the you know set this tone for the future, which is that there's, for the first time in a long time, there's some semblance of momentum in that program where there hasn't been in, you know, like I said, like 10 years. Um, that's going to bring us to the end of our show. We're just right about at an hour. Hope you guys enjoyed tonight. Keep your eyes peeled. We're Like I said, we, we've been ramping up our coverage with the new network launching. We're going to continue to develop more and more. Um, I'm hoping that eventually we can actually add a dedicated women's podcast. Um, that That's something we're working on. There's actually somebody reached out to Viva the Matadors today um, to, to, to look into joining the staff. So we're, we're going to keep trying to build. But right now, for if you're wondering, we have this show. We have Chris with the mailbag. Feel free to send us questions at any time. But I'll put out official tweets asking for questions on Sunday. Um, this show is going to record twice a week. Jack and Kendall will record semi-regularly on their schedule for their show. We're going to start a Big 12 baseball and really just Big 12 Conference in general. It'll work for all sports roundup that'll start recording as conference play ramps up. Uh, we're, we're really trying to lean into the Fans First Network. Those guys are real pros. Um, they, they, uh, they do incredible work. And they're really supporting us, encouraging us to continue to grow. So that's what we're going to try to do. Um, so hopefully this is our first Cotton Club Crew episode at an end. Um, we'll continue to publish. You can find us in the exact same place. Like, follow, subscribe. However you listen to podcasts, we'll be there. And if you have any questions or comments or concerns, reach out to us via the Cotton Club Twitter. Or just reach out to us to Viva the Matadors or any of our personals. Jack, Kendall, and Reed and I are all semi-active on Twitter. You can reach us at any time. Um, let us know. Or Chris, um, especially for mailbag questions, you're free to message him to correct directly um, if you don't want to make your question public for some reason. Um Thanks, guys, for listening. Enjoy the baseball season. We got Austin. We'll be in Austin this weekend. Texas Tech, the women's team as well. Softball will be in Austin for their series. The next round of the WNIT in Arkansas as well coming up. Lots going on in Texas Tech sports. Um, spring football, by the way, I didn't mention this, but spring football has officially started. I think today was their first practice, so we'll have some more coverage on that as we hear a bit more about injuries and how guys are developing um, and kind of where the quarterback contest is shaking up. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you guys later.